We've been doing this whole thing on, uh, this is like a series of messages, gifted, gifted. And we found that the gifts that God gives are tools that he uses for building his kingdom. All right? It's not just a gift so you can say, oh, look how gifted I am. I'm so gifted. Uh, yeah, but what good are you? Right? No. Anyway, uh, that's, that's the question Paul's like talking about uh, here. So um, today, I'm, we're gonna, we got a lot to do here, so let's jump in. And are you ready? Buckle your seatbelts. I think we do have notes online. If you want to go to Version app, events, and search for Hartville Mo, uh, there are some there. You'll need to add to them, uh, but, uh, you know, because this is a lot to digest. And that's the thing. It's not just put in your time to hear this thing and then go do your thing. Um, it's... Is, is that God equips us and changes us, and we need to, we need to meditate on these things. We need to uh, let it soak in, right? We need to write some of these verses down so you go back and study them and look over them. Um, and uh, by the way, I'm saying appreciate Curtis. Curtis, you're getting around good, brother. Uh, and uh, Curtis and Teresa taking care of the nursing home service. I appreciate them and the ministry that is going on over there. And uh, so it's good, to, it's good to have you back and uh, back going and, and recovering. So thank God, amen. And I'm not even going to mention that you're another year older since yesterday. I'm not even going to mention that. But uh, thank God. All right, turn with me back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I know we were there last week, and I know I read some of these verses, but we didn't get done, all right? So I don't know that we'll get done. We're not, I already know we're not going to get where I want to get with this this week, but we want it to soak in, right? Okay, this is the Word of God. It's alive and powerful. I'm just going to read um, these verses again. And um, we're going to uh, review just for a moment and get back into it uh, because these are tools that build. Because God's purpose is to build up the body of Christ, his church, all right? And so the gifts that he gives us are these abilities that he wants to use in our lives and through our lives to build up his church, his body, which means one another. Last week we talked about how that we need each other, right? I need your gift because I don't have all the gifts and a lot of what God wants to do in my life, he purposes, it, purposes to do it through other members of the body. And, and, and then there's this analogy that Paul uses here in Ephesians in several places where we're like the, the body and every part is supplied by every other part, by every joint and ligament, everything in the body, that everything that we need is supplied by different ones. And we're not all the same. He places us in the body as he sees fit, okay? And so, uh, but we all, if you're, if you're saved, you're part of the body of Christ and you have a function, okay? You're connected to one another, whether you want to be connected or not. Okay, it's great being connected to Jesus, right? It's just you that I sometimes have a problem with, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's what you were thinking, but but say that's it. This is the body, and one of the reasons why we're so crippled and not accomplishing what God wants to accomplish is because we're not understanding this. Um, he says here in verse twenty-seven: Now you are the body of Christ, and members individually. You're each unique. You're individuals, but together we're connected, the body of Christ. And just like he said last week, if the whole body was an arm, then where would the body be? If everybody had the same gifts, if everybody was the same, there would be really no body, right? So this is how he works. So we are body of Christ, members individually, verse 28. And God has appointed these in the church. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. After that, miracles, the gifts of healings, helps, administrations, variety of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire 
the greater or the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. He's going to show us this excellent way. And um, we're going to get into that, not this week, okay? But we got a lot. See, that's the thing. We never get to the bottom. It's, it's just always so exciting. There's so much here. Now, just by way of review a little bit, uh, we know that the gift of grace, salvation is itself a gift, right? Christ uh, came to pay for that gift on the cross. That's given by God for your benefit and your salvation. So you're receiving the salvation, and he said, I'm not going to leave you do this by yourself. I'm not only giving you my word, but my spirit to live inside you, right? So that's the gift happens at salvation because you can't live the Christian life on your own. Paul said in Romans 8 9, if you don't have the spirit of God, you're not his. You don't belong to him. So you can't be saved without the Holy Spirit. And that gift of grace he paid for, that's for you. But then we start talking about spiritual gifts. And literally in the Bible, they're grace gifts. That's what the, the Greek word that's translated gifts literally is a compound word that means grace gifts. That they are given to us out of God's grace, right? Because you didn't just, hey, you didn't just get your name written into heaven. There's a whole lot more going on here as he wants to transform us, and he wants to actually work through us to, do, uh, to build his kingdom. So spiritual gifts are given to you by God, not for your benefit, but for the benefit of others. Okay? That's part of what we've been learning. We've also, uh, this is by way of review, basic idea, each believer, this is what Paul's teaching throughout this whole chapter, each believer is a living part of the body of Christ, Christ's body. And that each one of us has a gift, a spiritual function to perform for God. We saw in chapter 12 um, that he tells us in, back up in verse 4 that there are, uh, excuse me, he says verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit. So, you know, hey, if you're saved, God's going to be revealing his presence in and through your life in some way. Right? There's no secret disciples. In some way, there will be a manifestation of the presence of God in and through you. Because he says here, the manifestation or the revealing or, or how the Spirit makes himself known in your life is given to each one. Each one. That's everyone. But why? Read on. For the profit or the benefit of all. So the manifestation of the Spirit of God in my life isn't just for me. It's for the benefit of everyone. Same's true with you. We need each other, right? And these gifts are tools that he uses to build. And um, so we know then that, um, that the whole purpose of all of this, of all the gifts and the callings that God has for us is to glorify God. We're going to have that reinforced in some scripture this week. Uh, please stay with me, okay? Because this is a, this is a lot, of, lot of study in this message, okay? A lot of teaching in this. That uh, there is, uh, is ultimate purpose is to glorify God. No one, nobody, no thing else. That's the purpose. So, and they are used by God to help and build up others. So the gifts glorify God and they are used by God to help and to minister and to build up other believers. If you're not connected to a body of believers, others, how are you going to do that, right? So we get upset, we get our feelings hurt. The devil has such an easy time getting us, and I understand, you know, this happens to all of us, to separate ourselves where that, how are we going to do this if we isolate ourselves and disconnect ourselves from everyone? Um, and, and, you know, it's easy a lot of times to, to feel that way because in the, in the body of Christ, we're going to get hurt. We're going to get wounded. That's why he says we got to love each other. we got to forgive each other. And that's coming in this whole chapter that right in the middle of this, he talks about love, all right? Uh, and see, it's like um, the tools, the gifts are tools, right? The handle that fits every one of the tools is love. 
Because without love, none of it really fits and works. None of these gifts work without love. And we talked about how gifts of the Spirit do not equal fruits of the Spirit. One of the main ways we see the evidence of, of a changed life is through the fruit that's, that's produced by the Holy Spirit through our, love and, through our life. And that's in Galatians chapter 5 where he talks about love, joy, peace. Notice he mentions love first. That all of those other fruits of the Spirit flow from love. Okay, so we'll get to that. That's why I have a whole chapter on love. He didn't put that there in between all of this just so we have something to read at weddings, right? This is a part of this teaching, and we'll look at that. Um, And so a spiritual gift is actually Jesus pursuing his mission through the members of his church. It's his mission, his church. Real church only happens as all of us are contributing. Okay, real, ter- real church, I don't know why I'm having trouble talking today, but just try to hang in there. But real church uh, doesn't happen just like, man, preacher really got up and brought it today, man. We really had church, or boy, had great music or something like that. That's great, we need that, but real church only happens, doesn't even happen here on Sundays. Real church happens every day of the week as every one of us are contributing and God working through us to do what he wants to do in the whole body of Christ and to minister, evangelize, and make disciples and everything that needs to be done. All right? So, so we, a lot of times we, we, we miss it. We just, we just want to come for a show and go home. And God's saying, I want to live and show myself through your life. All right, so as we get into this passage today, he says that we are the body of Christ, members individually, every one of you, everyone that's saved, okay? And there's structure and there's order in this body. Everything God does is very ordered and structured. And we see some of that here. As he says, and God has appointed these. So this is God ordained, okay? God appointed in his body, in the church, those he's called out of this world to be part of his body. This is what God has appointed first. Now that word first there in the original Greek language of the New Testament is very important. It's very emphatic. First, it means foremost, premier, chiefly, that he's giving a number of precedence and importance. So first of all, apostles. This was a first thing. This is, this is like, just like your physical body's put together in a certain way to have functioning order, right? And everything has its place, right? So the body of Christ. Now, we know the Corinthians, we've learned how that they are very immature, They're taking some of these things and running in a wrong direction. In fact, he calls them fleshly. He says they're carnal. He even said when they come together in chapter 11, it wasn't for the better. It was for the worse. Everything they were doing, even their worship and the Lord's Supper and some of their etiquette and everything, it was just all wrong. And and he even mentions in chapter 14, verse 20, he says, don't be children in understanding. Well, you don't usually tell people that unless that's what they're doing. In chapter 12, verse 1, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual things and spiritual gifts, which kind of indicates the fact that they were being ignorant about it, right? So we know the Corinthians were really making messes out of things, and that's why he wrote this, and he knew we would also need it today as well. So these are, the, these are gifts, and these are some of the things that are supposed to build up and unite the body, not divide. Now, why is it sometimes we start talking about different offices and different spiritual gifts and things like that? People get to argue and people get divided. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed how that happens? There's often a lot of division. So that means um, that, that what we're seeing is often not the work of the Holy Spirit if it's causing division. It's the work of us. Hmm. Yeah? 
Are you following this? That's why he goes into this whole thing on love, as I said. And isn't it just like the enemy to take something that's supposed to build us up and try to use those very things to tear us down? And we take the bait. We do that, all right? So now, there are several different lists of gifts in the New Testament. None of them are exactly the same. I'm not going to give you a whole big list right here. Uh, So it, it doesn't seem that we're given an exhaustive list here, okay? It doesn't seem that we are. So remember, a spiritual gift is whatever God wants to do in the world through his church. They are literally called spirituals. In chapter 12, verse 1, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. And, and literally, it says spirituals. Now, he's talking about gifts there, but it's just it's, it's spiritual manifestations. They are whatever the Spirit of God wants to do at the moment for and through the church in pursuit of the mission of Jesus. All right? So at any moment, he could use you in any way he chooses if you're available. Do you believe that? Or is that just for the preacher? Huh? Hey, I've only got a few gifts. I need you. All right? Uh, but uh, you don't have them all either. It's whatever he wants to do at the moment. They operate, listen, they operate uniquely in each of our lives because we're members individually. Every single one of us is unique. So even though you might have a similar gift as someone else, it may not operate in the exact same way in your life as it does someone else because you're unique. And God uses you in unique ways because you're not the same part of the body as anybody else. Okay, so this is very practical. A lot of churches are crippled because of a lack here because... Every one of us supplies a little something different that God wants to use in this local body, in this community, and uses us around the world. We're involved in God's work all around the world. Now, Peter, when he's writing, he mentions spiritual gifts. And, and Peter, you've got to understand, he writes much later than what Paul wrote. Corinth. First Corinthians is one of the early letters. So this is later on. And when Peter writes, he kind of lumps everything into two categories. You look at this. He lumps everything into two categories. He says, hey, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. So look at it. Write it down. Turn there, whatever. He says, as each has received a gift. You don't earn a gift. You receive a gift, right? All right. So as each has received a gift, use it to serve what? Yeah, same thing Paul's telling us. Use it. How? To serve others. You don't use it. So it's like, look how gifted I am. It's to serve others. As good stewards of God's varied grace. It's all the gifts, grace gifts, right? It's all part of God's grace. And God has given you these different things and these even different abilities and and, and burdens and things like that. You're a steward. You're to manage that. Be a good manager of the gifts that God's given. They're not, they, they come from him. And they're not for you to glorify yourself. You're to glorify him and to serve others. So be a good steward of God's varied grace. And then verse 11, he says, two categories, really. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles are the word of God. If you speak it, you speak the word of God, right? And whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So those who speak and those who serve. Those are two categories that Peter kind of divides it into. Those speaking gifts and those serving. And as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God, what? What's the purpose? Remember what we said? The overall purpose? That God is glorified. What does Peter say? That in everything, not just a few things, 
everything that goes on, that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. If that's not happening, what we're doing is not spirit-led at all. In fact, if anybody, anything else is getting glory besides Jesus Christ, it's not of the Holy Spirit. He says, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So this is what he's trying to teach us here, this same thing. So he kind of breaks it down into two categories. You know what? I've been reading through, you know, some of us do it, read through the Bible again, just in part of our devotional time. Man, going through all that stuff, you know, and the law and, and, and God spelling out how they're supposed to build all this stuff with the tabernacle and all the sacrifices and all this stuff. And, and, but you know, the neat thing is that in the Old Testament, not everybody, not, not everybody was filled with the Holy Spirit, right? That's why we got better off than they did. Um, so, but I noticed that when they're making these articles of furniture that they're going to use in worship in the tabernacle, and they're all object lessons, and we've studied that. They're, they're all like shadows uh, that, that are cast by Christ. But um, that there was certain guys that are mentioned that it said that they were filled with the Spirit of God, that the Spirit of God was on them to help them like, to, to fashion and to make and to craft these things. And I thought, that's cool. So, so even spiritual gifts, even in the Old Testament, even sometimes involved the ability to craft and to do certain things and just a, an ability to learn and figure out and to have the knowledge of, of craftsmanship in making some of that stuff. So, so I'm just saying that, that this list can be huge of things that God wants to do. But here in verse 28, he gives a first, second, and third order. And as I said, from the Greek, it's very obvious he's listing an order of preeminence or authority, apostles, prophets, and then teachers. These are what we would kind of also think of as offices in the church, right? But like everything else, they also involve spiritual gifts in order to operate. Any of the offices that he has appointed, ordained in the church, require spiritual gifts in order to operate. We're not operating on our own, right? Okay, are you with me? Come on, show me something. Good. All right. So then he says, after that, he goes, then he says, after that, and then he mentions sign gifts, serving gifts, and things like that. So it's like these three, and then after that, then there's other things. But these are the structure part of this. And uh, so there's structure in the body. We see that. Do all these gifts operate exactly like they did in the days that of the apostles before the New Testament was written? Some maybe, but some not, okay? And we're going to see that. One thing we know is that we have the completed Word of God, right? So God is not adding to or taking away from this book. The very last book says don't take away, don't add to it. So as far as revelation, God's revelation to us is complete. Can we go back over our Sunday school lesson today? Huh? God's revelation is complete. Because we could never discover this truth unless God revealed this truth. Mankind could never attain to it. God had to reveal it. God's revelation is complete, and it's right here. God inspired men to write it down. God's word is not only revealed, it's inspired. Sometimes we flip-flop these words, but in the technical sense, this is how they're supposed to be used. God's word is already revealed. Revelation is complete. God's not revealing new truth that has previously not been revealed in the Bible. Because every time that happens, Jesus appears to someone, tells them something, and and if it's not something that's already here, then that's the start of a new cult. See? God's not adding to this. If God's revealing new truth, we need to get it written down and circulated all the church. But he's not doing that. The, the, The canon, the measure of Scripture is closed. And has been for about 2,000 years. Okay? 
God has already inspired his word. It's God breathed and he caused it to be written down. What we're praying for now is for God to illuminate us so that we understand it. Now, sometimes whenever I'm reading God's already revealed, inspired word and a new truth hits me or a new application of it hits me, I say, wow, I just had a revelation. Well, I may say that, but what I really mean is I'm illuminated, right? That's what I mean because God didn't reveal something new. It was already there. I just hadn't discovered all the depths of it yet. So, so anytime we have a word from God, it has to match this word, right? And so many times, here's what God, here's what the Holy Spirit will do. Instead of time to waste time, me praying, and Lord, I need a word from you, I need a word from you, I need a word from you. Here's what he's saying. He says, why am I going to, if I give you a word, it has to match what's in here, right? Because if it doesn't, then you might be adding to. So here's what the Holy Spirit will do, and you need to know this. He will take you to the word. And using his word... He reveals specific words to you that he wants you to understand. You're ready to get it, right, and apply it to your life, all right? So it's all got to be based in his word. And, uh, uh, and, and so God is not adding to, and he's, he's not taking away from his word. So the very first of these are the apostles. Uh, he says, first of all, primarily, chiefly, you could actually translate it, apostles, so we're not only a body. Another way that Paul illustrates us is a building, can I show you that? It's in Ephesians. You ready to look at Ephesians? Just turn over a few pages or look right up here. Write this down to check on this later. Um, so Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, Paul says, Now therefore you are no longer, he's talking to Gentiles here. He says, you're no longer strangers and foreigners because those people who weren't born in Judaism or were Hebrew descent, you know, they didn't have the word of God. They were like, they were, they were heathens, you know. He says, you guys were that. He says, but you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you're fellow citizens with the saints, those who God has set apart. And you're members of the household of God. You're saved. This is you. Amen. Does that sound good? Is that good news? Yeah, amen. You should be more excited about it. Anyway, he says, here, here's what. Here's what it is, a church now. We're a building. He says, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. There's only one cornerstone that it's all measured off of. It's all kind of come from Jesus. All come from Jesus. He's the chief cornerstone. And then the foundation of the apostles and prophets. You don't keep laying foundations. You have a foundation and then you build on top of it. There's one foundation. And these that he's talking about uh, are the foundation. This is a foundational thing. Um, so then after that come all the rest of us bricks. Uh, that you know, He says, in whom the whole building fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you are also, you guys are also being built together. You're, you're part of this. You're a brick in that building for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. That, the, that God's Spirit dwells in us and, and all together. We're part of that household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus, the chief cornerstone. Now, apostle. What does that mean? Come back to this. He is, this talk about foundational. Foundation, all right? Okay, uh, apostle, literally the word means sent out. That's what the word means. So the apostle, in a general sense, was anybody that was sent out. Okay? You send someone out to spread the word, they're like, that's, that's what that word means. Okay? So those sent out by the church into the world, that word does apply to them. But it is, listen to me, it especially applies and foundationally applies to those who were personally sent out by Jesus himself. Jesus sent out personally 12. He chose 12, one defected. They replaced him in Acts chapter 1. You read that? 
Acts chapter 1. How did they replace them? What were the requirements of being one of the 12 apostles that Jesus is sending out? Well, the qualifications were that they had to have been with Jesus. So if you're going to be in a, like a foundational apostle today, one of the requirements is you had to have been with Jesus from the time he started his ministry. That is, from the time that Jesus was publicly baptized by John, you should have been with him on earth. And that you were with him the whole time. That was one of the qualifications uh, until the time that he ascended. And that's what they mapped out in Acts 1. That they were with Jesus from the time that he began teaching until the time that he ascended. So they were first-hand witnesses of what Jesus did on earth and the things that he did and the words that he taught. They were first-hand witnesses to that. And they also spent time with the resurrected Jesus after he had been crucified. They spent, and they were actually sent out by the resurrected Jesus. And so there's your 12. Later, Jesus appeared to a guy named Saul of Tarsus and called him to be a special apostle with special authority to the Gentile world, and God's going to use him in a mighty way. Now, it is these men that God used to write down his word in the New Testament. It is these men or those who worked directly under them, uh, like uh, Luke and Mark and, and Jude, okay? They either were the apostles or worked directly with them. Um, this, is why, this is why Jesus says to those 12, before he went to the cross in John 15, 26, he says, but when the helper, that's the Holy Spirit, comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of what? Jesus said, of me, of Jesus. And you also, he's talking to the 12, you will bear witness because you have what? You've been with me from the beginning. I chose you to be with me from the beginning, and you're the ones that are going to bear witness when this happens. He's talking about his death, resurrection, and ascension, and I'm not leaving you by yourself. I'm sending, I'm coming to you. I'm sending God the Spirit to live in you. And so this is what he says. You're going to bear witness of me because you've been with me from the beginning. Back in chapter 14, verse 26, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Father, Son, Spirit, right there, you see it all the way through the Scripture, he says, he will teach you. And he's talking to these 12 that are under him, one defects, he's replaced, but obviously there are more that are with him, and Matthias, in Acts chapter 1, was obviously one of those who had been with Jesus the whole time. He says, and he, the Holy Spirit, will bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. So after I'm gone, you're going to be teaching people, and the Holy Spirit's actually going to call back to your memory in an infallible way the things that I taught. So here's the thing that you need to know. Everything taught in the early church had to be directly traced to Jesus through these men. Why? Because you don't have this anymore. You have the Old Testament, but you don't have a New Testament. So Jesus is gone. The apostles are out teaching, and they're training, and they're ordaining people to lead. All right? That is, I'm, I'm, I am invested, like Paul did Timothy, and I'm training and teaching these people, and then I verify that they're straight on with the teachings of the church and of Jesus. So everything had to be traced back to these guys. Because other people, immediately there were false teachers, were there not? Already. And so how did we know, how do you know today if what I'm preaching or anything is, is, is right stuff? Well, you open this book and see, does it measure up? Right? They didn't have that. 
All they had was the Old Testament. So how do you know? Well, there were enough of them trained by the apostles that when one would teach or preach, others would sit and judge, is this what we've always heard or is he changing something? That's why he talks about to the prophets over in chapter 14 uh, when he says that uh, two or three speak and let the others judge. I mean, what does that mean? Are they judging? Or is he speaking and they're holding up like, that's a nine, that's a seven? I mean, judging, you know what I'm saying? That's not what he means. He means that they're judging. Are they speaking what we've always heard from the apostles, that everything traces through these that Jesus sent out back to Christ? That's why these 12 apostles and Paul are special. They are unique. That's why in Acts chapter 8, you know, Peter, hey, you remember when Jesus asked, who do people say that I am? And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says that on that rock, you're the rock. I like it. Dwayne Johnson is not the original rock. It's Simon Peter, okay? You're the rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. And he said, the gates of hell will not prevail. And he said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Well, you see this happening because who was it that preached that opened the door on the day of Pentecost when the church was born and the spirit was poured out in answer to Jesus' prophecy and the promise? It was Peter who preached, okay? And then you have Jesus telling them that, you're, you know, after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're not going to stay here. You're going to be witnesses to me. In where? Jerusalem and Judea. That's where the Jews lived. And then where? Samaria. And then what? Uttermost parts of the world. So Judea and Jerusalem kind of go together. Then you have Samaria. And we know a lot about the Samaritans. If you don't, you need to look it up later because I've got time to go into it. And then the uttermost parts of the world. Well, in Acts chapter 8, persecution is started after Stephen uh, was martyred. And there's a guy named Philip. And Philip was one of the original seven that were set apart in Acts chapter 6 to help serve. Well, he kind of becomes like a full-time evangelist after that. And then Philip goes and he's preaching the gospel in Samaria. And so Philip is one of these that studied directly under the apostles who were under Jesus, okay? But as he's preaching, God, he doesn't have like scripture that he can show them. God confirms his word by many signs and miracles and things. So they know, you know, this is, this is really something. So they believe. Well, word goes back and Simon Peter has to come. And he, after he comes, they believed, okay? And they've been baptized. So you read there that they believed and they were baptized, but they didn't receive the Holy Spirit till who came? It has to be one of those that he first sent out. He says, I give you the keys of the kingdom. He's unlocking the door for the Samaritans right here. He comes and he prays and lays his hands on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. Now, some people think that's the way it has to happen. You've got to have somebody come lay his hands on you and receive the Holy Spirit. Well, you take one thing that happened in Acts and you want to build a whole doctrine on that. That's not what's being taught there. He had to be there because they had to know that what happened to the Samaritans was connected to Jesus and the apostles and not some phony thing because later on when he unlocked the door to the Gentile world in Acts chapter 10 do you remember that Peter goes and he's preaching and while he's preaching the gospel about Jesus these Gentiles believe they come to a point of faith and guess what happened they hadn't even been baptized yet. Now, I have a lot of family members that says you're not even saved till after you're baptized. But even before they were physically baptized, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And he says, just like 
It was, the Jews said, it's just like with us at Pentecost. So it was exactly the same. And people heard the gospel being preached in all dialects and languages of everybody because it was just like at Pentecost. If there had been any difference, you know what the Jews would have done? They would have said, well, you know what? We're just a little special more than you guys because it was different than us, right? And so right there, he didn't have to lay his hands on him. He didn't have to do any of that. They just immediately, and so, but Peter was there. Now the gospel has been spread into all parts of the world. Jude, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world, the Gentile world. And who was there every time? Simon Peter. Jesus said, you're the guy. Right? It all traces back. That's why I'm saying he was the connection to Jesus. Besides that, in Revelation, there's so much more we can talk about there. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 14, he's talking about the holy city, New Jerusalem. Right? And he says that the wall of the city had 12 foundations. It had 12. And what was written on the 12's foundations? The names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now, there are apostles sent out by the church, but these are the apostles of the Lamb that Jesus, that were with Jesus and that Jesus personally sent out. The only argument we have in theological circles today is who's that 12th name? Is it Matthias or is it Paul? Okay, yeah, well, I don't know. We'll find out when we get there, right? Right? So the 12 are special. Why am I saying all this? It's because the word apostle still applies. In fact, it means sent out. So then later on, when a group of believers send someone out to go spread the gospel, you could say they are apostles sent out by us. But I don't have the authority that Peter, Paul, and John, and James had. They were personally sent out by Jesus. Because why now we have the scriptures, right? We have it, we have it confirmed. So uh, these guys were unique. In fact, they are the ones God used to write down the scripture. So in the special sense in which the word is used, it applies to those guys. But in a general sense, it can apply to anyone who is sent out. And you know what? As we send out and someone goes to spread the gospel, they're sent out by other believers to go and to spread the gospel. The, the, the gift of evangelism comes into play there too, along with being sent out, doesn't it? In the, in the general sense that we're talking about of this gift, right? Uh, some are called to be sent out and some of us are called to stay right here and keep working in the trenches, okay? So there's a general sense in which this also applies but often the gift of evangelism. Now, see there again, sometimes those who are sent out, they need to use the gift of evangelism because they're going out. The word evangelist literally means a good news sharer, somebody who's sharing the good news, the gospel. So you're, you're telling people about Jesus and about salvation. Um, and, and if you're going to be sent out, obviously that's what you're going to have to do. In fact, it's interesting, Paul in Ephesians 4.11, he includes this because he kind of gives a different list there. He says, he gave some to be, once again, look at the order, apostles, some prophets, some evangelists. See, he includes evangelists right in there with that. You see that? And some pastors and teachers. And the grammar construction of this pastor-teacher could be connected. And, and that's the thing God's called me to be a pastor, which means a shepherd and a teacher. Okay? Why? What is the purpose of all this again? So you can just be Mr. Big Shot Apostle or whatever or a pastor or a teacher or what? No. The whole purpose is for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. And once again, what is it? The building up. The word edify means what? Build up. Listen, this is work, guys. Work with me here, okay? Come on. Come on. It means to build up the body of Christ. This is the purpose of why it all happens. Uh, so God's revelation's complete. The Bible's finished. We're not adding to it or taking away from it, as we said. 
So now, as we are teaching, now as I am preaching, now as I am prophesying, whatever, we must be bringing it out of God's word. We have no truth to add to it. As I said, that's how most cults get started. So let's just talk about prophecy for a moment then, all right? Because he says, first, uh, apostles. Secondly, prophets, right? Okay, so secondly, prophets. The word prophet literally means to speak forth. So the apostle is sent forth, the prophet speaks forth. I don't know, I just thought that was cool. Evidently I'm the only one in the building that did. Yeah. In the old days, the prophets spoke forth when the word, you know, they didn't have scriptures like we have. They spoke forth by direct revelation of new truth from God to people. Sometimes it involved future events that would happen. But listen, prophecy is not primarily about predicting future things. It's about speaking forth the word from God. Often it does involve what God's going to do or what's going to happen if we don't listen to what he's telling us. Okay? Do you get that? God also used, are you listening, these prophets to be the ones that he inspired to pin down the word of God that we have, the scriptures. In fact, in First Peter cha- or Second Peter chapter one, he says, "No prophecy of scripture is of private interpretation, but they, the holy men they, they spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So prophecy of scripture. These are the very ones that God also used to write down His word so that we have it today. Um, so beforehand, when Peter and, and Paul and John and some of those guys were speaking, they'd been sent by Jesus, that we believe there were times that they spoke what we call ex cathedra, that they spoke without error, directly from the chair. <laughs> they spoke directly from the throne of God, and they spoke without error. Now I want to tell you that since we have the word of God, and God used them to pin down the word of God, that doesn't work that way now, because when I talk, I can be full of errors. But when this talks, it's perfect and infallible. And what I want to do is to bring this out, right? But that's why you need to have the Word of God open and seeing if these things are so. Just like in the old days, before the Word, the prophets said and judged, is this what we've always heard? Are you adding to it or taking away from it? It makes so beautiful sense, all right? So that means to speak forth. Today, the prophet speaks forth God's already revealed Word. So here's the deal. You prophet doesn't speak like some new revelation from God because if that were true, he would be adding to the book, wouldn't he? But what he's doing is he's speaking God's already, or she's speaking God's already, because there were several prophetesses mentioned in the scripture, right? And that we're speaking, they were preachers, speaking forth the word of God into specific, listen to me now, situations and circumstances. Follow this. If you want to understand what's going on here. It's about speaking forth information from God. Paul says this is one of the most beneficial gifts for building up the church. In fact, that's the purpose of it. You know, because he, he mentions um, in, in, chapter, um, in chapter 14 that he who prophesies speaks to build up and, and exhort and comfort men. He says he who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. But he who prophesies builds up the church. He said, this is the gift you need to seek if you're going to seek one. You guys have got it all backwards. So anyway, we'll get into that another time. So he says, this is, this is what it does. And it takes three major forms. Uh, and here's one thing you should know. Three major forms, okay? First of all is preaching. 
As we preach today, the gift of prophecy is often involved in preaching. It's like when I proclaim and explain and apply the word of God to you. It involves God, listen to me, giving me spiritual insight, spiritual timing to proclaim the word of God with power into your lives. This is the predominant uh, form of this in the day in which we live with the completed word of God. Okay, and sometimes it involves a couple of other forms. So, so there are times that uh, God, there's something going on in your life, and there's no specific verse that says, you know, Wayne, here's what you need to think about, right? But there are principles in Scripture that, as it's preached, all of a sudden, how many times have you come out and said, "You've been reading my mail. I didn't know it." Or I said something, and I've had people come out mad because they thought I knew something that I didn't know. Because I preached on something that was going on. You know, I, I, I touch on something that might happen in a family, and there, there was a certain family that had an argument and a fight, and it was just like that. It says, who told you? Did my wife tell you? I'm like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. See, and that's how word of prophecy comes in. And there's a couple other things mentioned. He mentions in verse 8, word of wisdom. And that falls under prophecy as well. What does that mean, a word of wisdom? Uh, this is where God gives wisdom to ins- and insight. God gives wisdom and insight to apply the word in a specific situation. It often involves speaking wisdom from God in a circumstance where, like, there may be, like I said, no precise chapter and verse that deals with it, but there are principles that deal with it. Like, some things the scriptures are very clear about. Thou shalt not kill, right? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet. That's pretty clear. But wisdom takes the principles of Scripture and applies it to things like, should I take that job? Should I date that person? Should I do this? Should I do that? Right? Because there's no specific verse that tells you, but there are principles, and there may be a word of wisdom that comes from somebody that God's going to speak into your life specific applications of his already revealed truth. And so, since it clearly states here that none of us have all the gifts, I need connection to others in the body of Christ who have this when I need a word of wisdom. Because I want to tell you, a lot of times I don't listen to my own word of wisdom. I'm sorry, let me just hide right behind here now. (laughs) Sometimes that's true. God speaks to me through someone else. It cuts through because I got filters, you know. I don't want to hear certain things. And so God will speak through you and call to mind an application of Scripture. And God will use you. And you get right past my little, I don't want to study that or read that. and, And God hits me and convicts me. Right? Okay, I need that. There may be certain people also that I've seen that... When I'm needing to make tough decisions, I want everybody to pray, but there may be certain people that I especially say, will you pray with me right now about this? Um, And um, I'm not begging for a word of wisdom, but oftentimes it can happen. Then the other one is in verse 8, a word of knowledge. He mentions word of knowledge. Doesn't tell us anything about these. It's just mentioned. But this is where the Lord gives special insight and knowledge into a situation so that we can apply his word. Um, You often... uh, Here's the thing is we're really just operating in the Lord and like this. Sometimes you actually don't know this, but it happens. You have the right thing to say about the right thing, and you may not even know it. You may not even know it. There's been different times that uh, it's happened in my life. Somebody has spoken a word, applying Scripture, of course, into my life, spoken a word from Scripture, and it's like, okay, come over here. 
And I'm the same way. Did somebody tell you about something I'm struggling with, something like that? No, they didn't. They didn't. This is how the Word of God can work in our lives. All right? And um, you see this happen sometimes in the Scripture, by the way. Um, you, you know, there, there, may be, there, there may be times that, that God has done this through you, and you didn't even know He did it. There may be, listen to me, other times that the Lord heavily, the Holy Spirit impresses something on your heart about someone or about a situation. And, and you're just burdened. And you, you get in the scripture and, and, and you want to share with them. I've seen people break down when this happens. The word of God hits them right, right in the heart. And they just, you know, confess and get right with God. And then I've seen people get mad. Because it's hit on a sore thing and they're not ready to deal with it. And they get mad at you. Okay, I've seen that happen in, in different ways. Um, but what happens is, is that, um, that, that the Lord leads the conversation in a direction that it exposes something inside of them. That's part of what ta- Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 24 about prophecy. Like an unbeliever, an uninformed person comes in and he's convinced by all, he's convicted by all the secrets of his heart are revealed and he falls down on his face. He worships God and reports God is among you. God reveals his truth and right in his heart and exposes what's there. That's the effect God's talking about. So here's the thing you need to know. That no word of wisdom or word of knowledge is equal in weight to Scripture. Are you following me? You need to listen to this. Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Did you hear that? Test all things. So just because you come to me and say, God's given me a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge to share with you, um, and you're going to lay something on me, I'm not going to automatically take what you said as from God. I'm going to do what the Bible says. I'm going to test it against Scripture, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to see, Lord, is this just somebody doing their own thing, or is this really you trying to get my attention about something that I'm not listening to or something that I need to know? So he says, test all things, hold fast. So you have to test it against Scripture and much prayer. I mean, the Corinthians thought, man, we're, just, we're better than everybody else. And Paul even asked them in chapter 14, verse 36, did the word of God come from you? I mean, it's like you guys thinking y'all are knowing everything. Did the word of God come from you? No, actually it was coming from Paul, right? They kept trying to think we're better than you. And he's like, listen, you listen to what I'm saying is a commandment from God. And he says, <laughs> I like the way he closes that out. He says, if, verse 38, if anyone's ignorant, let him be ignorant. If you want to be ignorant and you won't listen to me, then you're just going to be ignorant, okay? <laughs> so it's just amazing when we just take the scriptures and what is said here and just not misconstrue it and just listen. It gets pretty clear, doesn't it? And so here's the thing. Never claim the authority of God. Listen to me. Never claim the authority of God when you speak unless you are sharing Scripture. You might be off. It's, here's what it's better to say, because sometimes I want to do that. I do. I want to do that. Thus says the Lord. You know, okay. It needs to be from here. Now, can you follow me on this? Can I show you a better way that I've learned to do this? It's better to say, brother, sister, I believe God has laid something on my heart. And I would like to share it with you along with some scripture. So God has put this burden on my heart. 
I need to get in the scriptures first, and then I need to prayerfully approach that person and say, God has put this on my heart. I want to share it with you. You can meditate on it. You can pray on it and see if the Lord tests it. Just what he said. You do that and see if God is trying to tell you something. It's always best to tie it to Scripture. If you say something, I can't be sure whether it's coming from you or not. Or if you say, I even had a dream about this or a vision of this or that. It might have been that burrito with extra ghost pepper sauce on it that you had last night. It may not be the Holy Spirit at all. But I can test it. Right? But I don't want to just like, you know. I don't know why I do that. Because God may be trying to get my attention. But what it's going to do, it's going to put me on my knees and put me in the Word and let me listen to what the Holy Spirit's trying to speak through other members of the body to get my attention so I hear Him, okay? Uh, But if you share Scripture with me besides the burden, the Word that God's given you, if you share Scripture with me, I know what thus says the Lord is in Scripture, right? And how it applies, okay? So that's a good way to handle that. I'm going to wrap this up. I mean, we're going to stay for lunch, right? So I can go as long as I want? Because it's a little early for lunch yet, don't you think? Huh? Okay, because he goes ahead and he mentions teachers. I'm glad you gave me permission to do that right now. Uh, I feel so much more freedom. Um, He says, uh, and teachers. So he says, apostles, second, prophet, third, teachers. This is a primary position. Now, at that time, it involved those teaching what was given to them from the apostles and teaching the Old Testament, okay? The Gospels, the teachings of Christ, and the Old Testament. That's what they were teaching. Uh, This word means uh, to take the Word of God. It means to take it and to show this is what it says, clearly. This is what it says, In a language that you understand, this is what it means in the proper context. And then this is how it applies to us in our daily lives. This isn't just theory that we're studying so we know all these things. It applies to our life. That's what teaching involves. And so since the word of God is now complete, this along with being a pastor shepherd is a major tool that's used. And since the teacher speaks forth the word of God, there are aspects of the gift of prophecy that come into play with this gift as well. Did you know that? And those of you who are teaching, whether it's kids or whether it's adults or whether it's these Wednesday night crowds of kids that are in the room that just are like, what do we do with all of them? Maybe you didn't realize the prophetic power of what you're doing as you share the Word of God in their lives. Yeah! Come on, it's not some boring job I gotta do. Talking about the power of God where He wants to use you to build into other people's lives if if you're a teacher. Other gifts. Let me just wrap it up here. He talks about miracles. Miracles are gifts. There's a word for miracles here. Actually, the word is dunamis, power. There are some times we need to see the power of God. Huh? Sometimes he just needs to overwhelm us and remind us we're not in charge. He is. Sometimes God interrupts natural law, and this means God interrupting natural law to do something that glorifies Christ. All right? It's got to be something that glorifies Christ, not some guy with slick back hair. You know what I mean. No one's got the power or authority to do miracles at will. You don't have this gift, so you just go around doing miracles as you want to. If you do, let's go down and let's empty out the hospital. Let's go to St. Jude's and empty that place out right now, right? And healings. 
It never was that. Did you know Jesus didn't even set that example? When Jesus came fully God, yet fully man, co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and the Spirit. When he came here, he said, I didn't come to do my own will. I came as a servant. I only came to do what? The Father's will. And he also didn't operate in his own power. He operated by the Spirit's power. That's why there's a place or two you read that the power was present for him to heal because he didn't heal even as he willed, only as the Father directed and the Spirit supplied power. He set the example for us. Jesus could have done anything he wanted to as God, couldn't he? But God will do these things as he wills. This may come about differently than you think sometimes. The purpose is to confirm and encourage your faith. I remember one time when I was just a boy, God called me to preach, and I was going and preaching, and, and, and me and uh, I couldn't even drive. I had a buddy drive me. I was 15, and uh, we, we were thirsty after church. This is a little country church. They didn't have any water fountain or nothing, Teresa. We were just like parched. I'd preach. I'm like, oh, what would I give for a Coca-Cola, which probably isn't great for you, but I wanted one. And so we only had, they were 25 cents back then. We only had, and there's three of us. We only had two quarters, and, and my buddy Brian, he said, oh, I wanted a root beer. Anyway, he said, well, you guys go ahead. I said, I, I don't drink after people, but you're my buddy. I'll let you have a little drink. Anyway, we put a quarter in, and, and Todd got what he was going to get. I put mine in, and a Coke, and a A&W root beer came out. And we're like, Lord, you heard us. Now, that was a small miracle that really, but, but you know what it did? It just encouraged us. Sometimes, you know, don't, don't overlook the little miracles that happen. But I want to tell you, there's another way that this happens. It may be differently than you think, and you may be involved. God uses gifts, tools that he gives you to help and, build, to help and encourage and build up others. You worked a miracle. Somebody was having difficulty and struggling. And you slipped a $100 bill in their Bible. They don't know who did it. You just worked a miracle. You dropped off that load of wood. You gave that donation, that large donation that the Holy Spirit prompted you to do on that GoFundMe page. Maybe you dropped off some clothes and food as a result of the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And somebody saw a miracle worked in their life because God just answered a prayer and supplied something that was needed. Same thing with healings. I want you to notice the word is plural here. It means cures. Sometimes this happens as a display of God's power instantly and totally. We've seen people healed that way. But I want to tell you something else. Sometimes it's through time and care. Listen to me. Those who are called to the medical field, did you know that God often gives insight tools for healing? Did you know there are people like that? That as you minister and you take care of you CNAs and you nurses, did you know that God wants to use a gift of healing in your life? And the way you care and the way you touch, God uses you to bring healing into people's lives. Did you know that? I pray for doctors. Not all doctors probably have this gift that they have wisdom. I know someone that had this horrible cough and it just never would go away. And, and the doctor had just given all kinds of different things trying to treat it. Went to this other guy and he looked at him and he says, that's not your problem at all. Your problem's not coming from your windpipe. It's coming from your esophagus. And he told him something he could get and do. And it was very simple. Didn't require a prescription. It's gone just like that. God gave that man wisdom and insight for healing. I'm just saying, as there's a lot of ways that these gifts work. There are different hues and colors, right? Yeah, Ashley, it's just like 
God's light shining through a diamond, right? Is that a good illustration? She used that illustration in another way for me today. It's great. So I give you credit. Uh, and, and all the different lights that shines through it. There's so many different hues and colors of how God does this. So you've got more than just a job, you know. God is using your tool to minister and to build up the body. Those who are working with hospice, same thing. And last of all, he says, helps and leadership. Help means not only to provide help, but support, relief. Administrations means to guide, to provide leadership. We need that. I mean... You know, to be honest, what God's called me to do, I need to be teaching and I need to be praying and I need to be equipping saints. And, and, and a lot of pastors are great with leadership, but you know what? Some of the details of some of the stuff that everything is going to happen, I need help with. You know, the, the devil tried real early to get the apostles so busy taking care of the needs of the widows in Acts chapter 6. They didn't have time for the word and for prayer and for ministry and the word. And so they appointed people. And, and it's not just them, but it's everything. And it's everybody. Some have gifts of helping. Did you know that? Some of you don't have a gift to speak. And some of you don't have a gift to do great. But, but you're a helper. You just know how to provide support. And you know how to provide relief. And you are like one of the most important parts of the body. Because without you, everything else collapses. I'll tell you what, to be a helper is going to be one of the things that God is going to reward so awesomely in his presence. And then administrations, leadership. Some, be, some people just have a gift of organizing and, and helping get people together to, to get where we need to go. Did you know that? Here's our problem in our churches. Somehow, because we started hiring pastors uh, and paying them so they can devote full time, we just assume that all these gifts are yours and you just got to do them all. And I want to tell you, if you're expecting that from me, no wonder you're so disappointed and discouraged because I don't have a lot of these gifts. And when I try to do it, I can do some of the things, but I don't do them very well, and they drain me. Meanwhile, when you're operating in the area of your gift, whether it's helping or whether it's caring for someone or whether it's organizing something or whatever it is, you love it, and it energizes you. Not that it's not hard at times, but you know what I'm saying? I found that when you operate in the area of your gifts, that God energizes you and the Spirit empowers you. Not that there's not struggles, and when I'm trying to do things that aren't my gifts, it's somebody else's gift. The whole body starts limping, and it's the same way with you. Some of you are having to do things that God's not really called or gifted you to do, but you're doing it because you're a faithful servant. What we need are for those that have those gifts and callings to say, Lord, here I am. Let, use me. Someone asked me, how do I find that? How do I find that? Remember, you find it by just walking with Jesus every day and walking in his word and in worship and fellowship with him, and it will open up. There may be a moment that you feel a dramatic call of God in your life, or it may be just all of a sudden you're doing something and people are like, you've got a gift. You didn't even know it. There may be times that some of these gifts may just happen periodically. God needs something done, and he just gives you the gift and the supernatural ability to do it at that moment, but that may not be what you do from here on, right? I've seen that happen in a lot of different areas, whether it was a gift of ministering and helping and healing, somebody doing something they didn't think they could do to take care of somebody and God brought healing about, or whether somebody who couldn't get up and say their name in public, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit come upon them, they stood up and shared from the word of God and a testimony that rattled everybody's cages, but it may have never happened again. 
I mean, what I'm saying is, is are we just available to walk with God and just, just every step and just be used by him?